today on CityCast Denver. Let me thank everyone for coming this afternoon. First, I want to thank uh, Chief Paul Pazin for his service and dedication. With violent crime on the rise, police shooting and injuring six people waiting in line at a food truck, and the city on the hook for yet another massive settlement involving police brutality, Denver Police Chief Paul Pazin announced his retirement last week. Uh, he served the people of this city with great integrity and one of the most infectious smiles uh, I've ever seen. So what will a new police chief bring to a city that's been struggling to deal with um, the police? People are looking for something new. Today, we're stepping into Westward Editor Patty Calhoun's newsroom to get the real scoop on Payson's departure, Denver's future, and what the next administration will need to do to get things right for the people of Denver. Today is Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Patty Calhoun, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Uh, congratulations. Last week was 45 years of this publication being in existence. Horrifying, isn't it? <laughs> Which means you've been doing this for 45 years. As I said, very horrifying. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank I mean, you. I've been a reader since I was about 10 years old. So, you know, only part of that time. Well, I was getting notes in the office from people who weren't born. Most of the employees hear that. And they would say like, oh, my grandparents read it. That's always a nice sign. It's a good one. But you know, the media has changed so much that that's always new. Yeah. You know, podcasts, relatively new. The web. I mean, the, being able to break stories, which was very hard to do when we were going to press four days early for a biweekly. You know, I have to ask, um, as being a former contributor to Westward, are all of the um, editions, every issue that you have in the morgue, is that online? No, we started online in about 93. So everything 94 on is pretty easy to find. You can search. It's great. But before 94 is, you pretty, gotta really, is tough. You gotta and then we dig. have bound volumes, as you've seen, because you've fallen over them walking into this building. Uh, so we do have every copy, we think. You think. Um, okay, so we're shifting gears. We're talking about Chief of Police Paul Pazin announcing his uh, resignation or his retirement. And last time you and I talked, we were discussing issues of, uh, I mean, the Lodo situation, the shooting situation. And I just wanted to know what your reaction was to this news about the Chief of Police. Well, Paul Pazin left. You know, he was appointed in 2018 by Hancock. He'd been a longtime DPD officer. I don't think he was pushed. You don't push a police officer in your last 300 days as mayor. I truly think Paul Pazin was tired, realized if he'd ever thought about running for mayor, which had been rumored, it wasn't going to happen now because of the Lodo shooting. You know, There were so mm. many issues with George Floyd, but if you're pro-police and pro-law and order, which might not play really well in Denver, injuring six innocent bystanders in Lodo was not going to fly, especially as you look at the body camera and see that protocols weren't followed. So I think he just thought the getting's good now. Go. Time to go. Last month, six innocent bystanders were injured by Denver police when three officers shot at a man downtown. Denver police have now released the body camera video of that shooting, giving us a more detailed look into the events leading up to that shooting in a busy Lodo area. We also learned today the DA is now opening a grand jury investigation. 
do you think if he did have other aspirations, they may have been squashed by this situation in Lodo? I think they could have been. Whether or not he actually had those aspirations, I have no real clue. And I would think after 2020, you would not really think you're in a strong position to run for mayor if you're the police chief and you have all those outstanding lawsuits and a $14 million settlement. It's not a position of strength to run on. So we're talking about the $14 million settlement that the city had to pay out after uh, the George Floyd protests and police conduct during that. City hasn't paid it out yet, but there was a $14 million judgment in that federal case, the first federal case involving the George Floyd protest police responses in the country. So the city is appealing it, but there's still a $14 million judgment specifically because of how the Denver police behaved. So this isn't because Hancock's on his way out. You don't think that that's why, like, because it's an appointed position, right? So is, would Pazin just be replaced by the next Well, Hancock, he replaced the police chief, but he kept Robert White for a long time. So that's true. You've still got 11 months if you want to, if you want to make changes. We've got Hancock, who, in announcing his new choice, uh, Ron Thomas said, Oh, we've got 300 days to make it right. Well, where have (laughs) the last 11 years gone? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, "Mm, Are you just starting now? But I'm proud to induce uh, my nominee to be the next chief of police for the Denver Police Department, Division Chief Ron Thomas. In Chief Thomas, we have an officer, someone, an individual who has served this city with the badge for 33 years. Uh, what do you think about Ron Thomas, about this replacement or the, the next ch- chief of police we have coming Well, in? he's coming from in- internally, which I think is good whenever you've got someone who maybe has trust both inside and outside. The community likes him. Uh, As far as I can tell, the police association likes him. He's gone to a lot of the meetings. Nothing bad has really come out yet. So I think someone who is up to speed isn't going to make a lot of changes. Makes a lot more sense. Let the next mayor decide if they're going to be big changes. And maybe they'll keep Chief Thomas. Like if they want to go in a different direction or... I mean, because we're look, we've been looking at a reckoning for police in the last couple of years. I mean, in the last decade for sure, but definitely since the George Floyd and, uprisings. And a mayor obviously can appoint whoever they want. Although the police chief will have to be approved by city council. That's something new in Denver. Oh, that was something we voted on. That those big appointments right. we're giving city council the power to approve or disapprove the mayor's choice. How do you think that will go? I think it's a great idea. I mean, I think in general, you'll have a lot of grandstanding by certain council members, but it's another vetting level. So I think it's good. I like those that process as well, because I think it allows the public to learn a little bit more because council obviously knows questions to ask that maybe me, the average person doesn't know that the police chief needs to be in charge of, or they need to be good at this. And council's way better at saying like, is he going to be good at this? It's going to be more transparency because I think what we're going to see more with jobs in general is fewer finalists because finalists now generally have to be revealed. So they might just tell you they're one finalist. Uh, We saw what happened with independent monitor. I mean, we had the three finalists and none of them made it. But it's interesting with Thomas because he has been head of internal investigations. So I think that's where we'll see a lot of um, input with the people. As we look for a new independent monitor, how he did on investigations, that'll tell us a lot about what kind of police officer he was. Crime is a conversation right now, like crime in Denver. Where do you think 
Denverites are with this conversation about crime. They're all over the map. And we have to remember, Denverites do not speak with one voice. So you have people who are very upset about the homeless. They're upset because we're spending too much on the homeless. They're upset because we're not spending enough. People are upset because their cars have been stolen and their catalytic converters have been stolen. So they're upset that the police aren't doing more about that. But they're also upset about police overreach during the George Floyd protests and some other actions. So we, in general, I think we... What we can agree is that Denverites want more transparency. They want to understand what's being done and why. And I think when you look at catalytic converters, for example, some new city council moves to stop that, that will only help. I think certainly more for, being more forthcoming as the police chief when you're handling something like the George Floyd protests, and God willing, we don't have to handle anything like that again. Yeah. But Payson did not do a great job then. We're looking at potentially, I mean, we're, we're looking at a new mayor coming in. We're looking at potentially some big changes to council. But you've been covering this for decades, Patty. What are you thinking about this? Up? I mean, if we're stepping outside of Payson and looking more to the future of like what the next administration is going to look like, what does this say about Denver as a person that's looked at Denver elections for the last few decades? You know, I was thinking about this ever since we talked about Elvis. When I started Westward, Art Dill, who got a Cadillac from Elvis, was the police chief. You would just come out of a big scandal where police officers were stealing, you know, a big theft ring in the 60s. So police policing has definitely improved. But you also look at how the city feels. And when Pena was elected in 82, well, 83, but when he got in the race, you felt how different the city was. There were new people coming in a new era. He was 36 when he was elected, mm. the first Latino mayor, and he had been a firebrand. I mean, really an interesting, interesting choice who knocked out a lot of traditional candidates, including then Mayor McNichols. Then 20 years later, you feel a sea change again when you have John Hickenlooper come in. I'm John Hickenlooper, and I'm out to make change in Denver. These parking meters are just one example of what I call the fundamental nonsense of government. The city raised our parking rates, and now shoppers are going elsewhere, business is suffering, and tax revenues are down. After successfully redeveloping Lodo and creating hundreds of jobs, I know I can make positive changes for Denver's economy and solve our water and traffic problems. Now that's the kind of change people can get excited about. And we're 20 years from that now, and you think people are looking for something new. Is one of the candidates going to offer it? That's tough to tell. Yeah, I have to say, I haven't seen anybody come forward yet um, in the mayor's race. There's a couple folks I'm watching that I think are definitely interesting that are going to push some really important issues. But I don't know if I see that contender yet. Do we see a new vision? I don't see it. I mean, you think about it with Pena, imagine a great city. And then with Hickenlooper, he was really pushing um, the creative class and pushing entrepreneurship and talking about what was stupid about government, which I think people were ready to hear in 2002. And so now in 2022, what do people want to hear? And I think they want they want Denver to get its mojo back. They yeah. want a feeling that they are living in an exciting, cutting-edge, caring city. Austin Powers always defeats me because he has mojo. Mojo? Mojo. The libido, the life force, the essence, the right stuff. What the French call a certain I don't know what. Yeah, that that empathetic piece of it has been very 
tough, I think. It's been tough for me to watch and see as a person that's lived here my whole life. But um, I know that there was an event uh, in August where all of these mayors came together, Pena, Hickenlooper, Webb, and Hancock. What was your takeaway from that conversation? It was a fascinating discussion. So it was at History Colorado, and in the middle of it, there was a fire alarm, which was entertaining. <laughs> it's, it paralleled the show that just closed, which is too bad at History Colorado. But they were so erudite, which was interesting. They were talking about tough times. And Pena was talking about, for example, what he had to do when he thought the Mayan theater was going to be gone, which is Im- unimaginable to us now that but a landmark 80s, like that. But in the 80s, landmarks were getting wiped out. He wound up ha- having to call Pat Bolin because he was trying to find an influential Canadian. And Pat Bolin took the call, and the Canadian firm had bought that property. And they said, OK, we'll work with you. So I'm like, whoa, that's one I'd never heard. Uh, Wellington Webb said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I miss two daily newspapers. And Wellington Webb, I mean, he didn't talk to us at Westward, I think, for a solid year or two. There was a ban on taking any of our phone calls. So that was really interesting to hear. I guess in hindsight, too, it's a little easier to say I miss the press than when you're in office in the hot seat all the time. Exactly. Did they share anything that gave you an inkling into what the next era of Denver is going to look like from their perspectives? No. Okay. I mean, it did really make me think about this every 20 years. Yeah. And are we at that point again? It made me think, I mean, it was interesting because you look and you have two black mayors, one Latino mayor, one white guy, no women. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly time for a woman to be the mayor, but that's not the most important thing you're looking for. No. You, you're looking for someone with that vision, with that caring. And that's going to be the balance. I think you're right. The vision, but also the empathy. How do you have a bold vision for Denver's future while also really thinking and considering the people that are here right now? The people that are here, and you look and you have these monolithic apartment complexes, which mm-hmm. piss people off because it doesn't look like the city we like. And right in front of them are the homeless, the people yeah. experiencing homelessness, the which piss people off for a v- variety yeah. of reasons. It just isn't the Denver we want to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know who would argue you don't want to see folks housed. You know, but it's complicated. We know that it's not as easy as just housing right. people. We would like them to have houses, and then we would like to get rid of those monolithic apartment complexes, or at <laughs> least really find a, a place for them. It's, it's really just, a dilemma. It's a really, yeah, it's tricky. I'm thinking about back in the late 90s and early 2000s when a lot of those big complexes were going in in Lodo and like around the bend where Broadway turns into Brighton Boulevard. I had a bunch of friends live in those. They were all subsidized because there was no one to live in them. So a lot of my friends um, had like section eight apartments because that's what was filling up those buildings. It was like, kind of like you got your pick and now, oh my gosh, it's super competitive. It's so, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about these different eras of the city, good and bad, but I just genuinely struggle with what it's going to look like next. And I think you're right. I think it really has to do with who that, who that person is that comes forward to run for mayor that has something that makes us all go, okay, that's the direction we want to go. I don't see anyone who's captured our imagination. Then again, we haven't really heard any big statements coming out. When is it going to happen? When does that usually happen? I mean, that election's not till next spring. Yeah, so it's April. It's a month earlier than it was just to get it. uh, We voted for that, too, just to get it on the state and federal calendar correctly. 
let's see, Pena would have announced maybe in November, so it would be October. So really within the next month, we should see someone coming out. Hickenlooper really announced, I think, in January for a May election. So it could be as late as December. But if someone wants to tie up money, they need to announce now. Okay. On the other hand, maybe the person who will win this isn't someone who needs to tie up money. They either have it or they have so much... They're already known. Yeah, they have so much value with their ideas that maybe people don't care. I still think you could get away with a great candidate without a lot of money in a city election. I think so, too. I, I mean, I, not that I would prefer it, but I kind of would. It kind of makes it more interesting. Pena did it all with yard signs. Really? That, that was the first yard sign election. <laughs> that was the determining. It was. That's how people saw his name. I mean, that's how people vote often. It's like, oh, that's a name recognition and two daily newspapers and and an all weekly that that web didn't want to talk to exactly (laughs) well patty thank you so much oh well thank you and here's what else denverites are talking about the heat yes it's september and somehow it's going to hit 100 degrees in the metro this week but it should start cooling down on friday which is my birthday but still sheesh it's hot That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell the presumptive new police chief, Ron Thomas, about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave a nice rating and a nice review, please. It would like make my day. Anyway, subscribe to our morning newsletter and we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya. I used to have a fall birthday. September 9th. Now I have a summer birthday on September 9th.